Professor Dr. Dr. Mario Staller doesn't do things by halves. He's got two PhDs. He's got two Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu World Championships, I believe. Um, he's an expert in two martial arts, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Krav Maga. And he, I think he's kind of had two overlapping careers, possibly more. He's um, uh, a professor uh, in a university in Germany. He's also an accomplished police officer and trainer of um, police officers in different aspects of conflict performance. Mario, how are you doing? Yeah, thanks for having me here, uh, Paul. Um, really nice um, right now. Um, but I, one thing uh, I'd like to add in the beginning is like it's um, it hasn't been Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu I'm a world champion at. It's like a Jiu-Jitsu fighting. So it's a kind of different system. So okay. don't give me credit for that one. Okay. <laughs> in my head, everything just be, it's just a mush of everything becomes Brazilian, I suppose. But uh, but so you, I mean. Uh, you have really high ranking in Krav Maga as well, right? Yeah. Later on, basically, I did a, a lot of martial arts, um, like all of us, I think, in the talks here. Um, I started with judo, jiu-jitsu, and later on, I turned to Krav Maga. Um, and then I, yeah, let's say, made a career in there. Um, I combined it a little bit with a, with a police use of force training um, I had and from there on I went into the research stuff and um, yeah so it basically it's like you said it all came together at some point. Yeah the, let's, I've got, let me share this screen so you're, you have a, a, there's a few different websites with your bio on it this one is it's from the tactical decision-making research group and it talks about um, your professor of psychology, the University of Applied Sciences for Public Management, North Rhine-Westphalia, and the Institute for Professional Conflict Management, um, police officer training of, of police forces. But then your academic history—it's it, really—it's—it's it's an unusual trajectory. So, MSc in critical and major incident psychology in Liverpool in the UK, MSc in sports psychology in Berlin. Uh, an MA in sports and exercise science in Berlin, an MSc in sport coaching in Leeds, um, and then a PhD in pedagogy and the structure of jiu-jitsu fights and its relevance for elite athletes and coaches. Um, and then another PhD in the psychology, uh, in psychology on influential factors in tactical decision-making of police officers. That's, that's, that's unusual. <laughs> The, the, the third PhD I handed in two weeks ago. All right, okay, so you want three PhDs. Then it's enough. It really is a quite um, unusual, um, let's say, career pathway. Yeah. Um, it's, it all boils down to basically um, martial arts or say, let's say, conflict management at some point. Um, because I, I really started as an athlete, like in, in, in martial arts and combat sports, um, really just for the fun of fighting in there. And from there, I um, went to the police. And um, of course, since I had all this background in there, they said, hey, you want to join um, us at the uh, instructional department and become a police use of force trainer? And I said, yeah, of course. Um, so I, I could combine, combine it a little bit and um, yeah, for basically at that point, um, 
I think I was, let's say, 20 year, 21 years old. Um, I competed at the, later on at the World Championships, but at this point I was in the German national squad. And um, I, I had a lot, of, a lot of questions in my head about how to become better, how to, um, how to basically yeah, optimize your training at some point. And that's why nobody could be get any answers at that point. So that's why I started studying besides my um, regular job as a police officer. Um, so I started with a sports psychology um, degree and I was like, yeah, this, this, this really gives me an edge. But then I came up with some more questions about um, exercise science and I said, okay, let's study this one. So it all was like, okay, how can I optimize my training um, at some point? Um, and the MSCs then turned into, okay, you want to um, go for a PhD? And I said, yeah, of course, um, in that area. So that's why they, came to, it, they come together. It wasn't that I was looking for a degree or said, um, I, I want to do this. It was like, I, I wanted to get the knowledge. I was just curious how mm -hmm. to optimize, yeah, the, let's say the learning environments in there. And at some point, then I had to make the transition from the police force to the university because I was too deep into the academic pathway. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, um, the, the, I've seen a few of your presentations um, and your research is incredibly interesting. It's, 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 it's always pragmatically focused. Like there has to be a pragmatic outcome. Like how can we optimize? How can we improve? What's the best way to teach? What's the best way to learn? What's the best way to, to implement and so on? And some of your talks are so interesting that I've even sat through them in German and I don't speak German. Uh, and, <laughs> and I was still enthralled by uh, a talk that you gave that seemed to, I was going to ask you about this because I never got a chance to ask you afterwards what it was actually about. It was about, it seemed to be about the use of um, computer games in training. What was, what was the argument of that one? And the argument of that one was basically, um, I compared how um, video game designers um, design the games for learning. Like, um, yeah, when you imagine, let's say 30 years ago, um, when, you, when you bought a video game, um, you, at some point you had to um, check how the controllers work and um, all, all this, maybe you read an, a handbook um, of the game or something like that, but now if you turn on the game, you immediately, into the game and it really and it immediately starts, but it builds um, the complexity along the game. So in the, in the first two seconds of the game, you grab your gun and then you can aim a little bit, but it's always um, embedded into the narrative already. So you're, you're doing already, you're playing the game. And that was my argument in there, that at some point we have to play the game, meaning we have to fight even at the beginning. Yeah. in a maybe less complex um, kind of way, but we have to fight if we want to get better at fighting. Right. And that was, uh, there was a similar, um, I, guess, you, I guess your research builds and builds and you pursue different dimensions of it. But the, the, the last talk that I uh, saw you give and heard you give, and it was in English, fortunately, and you, you looked at the, the different ways in which, uh, you looked at, you'd analyzed, you'd filmed training sessions for, of police officers and you'd looked at the time spent doing stuff, the time spent listening, the time spent with instructors just demonstrating stuff and you, you, you came up with some really interesting conclusions and one of them seemed to be that if someone is in a situation and you say do A, B and C and you treat them to do that then 
in six months time or a year's time they will have forgotten all of that and they'll just be a mess but if you say someone so someone's going to point the gun at you someone's going to pull a knife on you or someone's going to grab you and you just say solve the problem to solve it then that person will always know how to to do that they'll always go here's the problem i need to solve it would that is that fair enough so that's like starting a computer game you're in a computer game what's going on solve it is it like that a little bit like that. That's basically the first talk um, you just mentioned um, when we started this kind of research and now we're even further down the line. But basically it boils a little bit down to that like um, different instructional approaches. And um, if we're looking at, um, let's say, efficiency in police use of force training, how they, how they train um, combat or hand-to-hand -hand combat use of force, um, it has been yeah, for long periods of time, like um, an instructor um, told how the technique works, basically how he or she perceived the technique works for the personal body, but it, it didn't work for, let's say, um, other individuals. And what um, we found out basically in Germany was that when they came back after a half year of, um, of, of, of being on the streets, they came back and they basically forgot a lot yeah. of what they, what they have been taught. And that's um, why we thought, okay, maybe we have to check how we deliver stuff. Um, if we do it basically, um, yeah, let's say, if we can optimize it at some point, because um, of course there is no right or wrong. It's like, it's always a very messy thing if you, if you, if you coach or if you conduct training. Mm -hmm. um, and what we did with the, with the, let's say, observational study was we, we really um, sat down with four researchers and um, we analyzed um, four weeks of training, five weeks of training um, for the for the recruits um, with basically every second what they what they did in there, and how much the instructor were talking, how much the um, the recruits um, were practicing, if they were practicing more problem solving or if they just um, reproduced the techniques the instructors showed, and um, we looked at this from the shooting perspective, from the hand to hand combat perspective, um, and from the tactical perspective as well, and it came down to the point that a lot of that there has been a a lot of talking from the instructors to the um, to the recruits and they actually spent pretty um, yeah low amount of time practicing for themselves so it yeah. was like if you around six percent like that yeah. they problem solving um, they practiced of course a little bit more but um, six percent of all the from the whole training time they did they engage basically in some kind of problem solving exercises we have to and then because uh, in, on the streets, in the field, um, they said, ah, I wasn't able to solve the problem like we did in, 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 in training because maybe they, they don't train on it. Yeah. No. So, so you carry out that research and, and then you, you set, present it back to the, to the police body and go, look, this training is inefficient because there's too much instructors chatting and going, you could twist it like this or you could twist it like that but but you need to spend more time exploring playing solving problems and you know it, was that the kind of thing that you went back to them with now basically we did the research together with a with a um, police use of force instructors and um, they were really open-minded um, but they haven't had any feedback so far how they basically deliver their training so that's why it's really important that that you come back with some let's say objective data where they can see oh i didn't know that that i was talking that much so they can reflect on it and basically um yeah adapt of course um at some point some things you have to talk them through and you have to of course show some um, techniques but it's like uh, 
yeah, it, it has to be uh, in balance at some point. Yeah. And so you're working on the trying to find the, the kind of ideal balance and kind of perfect the ways of delivering this training within a limited period of time. Yeah, the last um, study we did, I think I talked in Trier about it um, as well. We had the preliminary results. Um, it was like we had these two kind of um, classes, um, police recruits, and one of them um, we um, taught uh, knife defense techniques, but in a very, let's say, traditional kind of way. We showed the technique and said, okay, these are the checkpoints, please work on that. And in the other group, we um, approached them with a more, more kind of principle-based approach, like, okay, just make sure that you don't get hit by the knife. And uh, <laughs> just, just block the knife yeah. how you like, yeah. how you manage it to do, and um, be sure that at some point you, you engage in some kind of counterattack or whatever. So um, it was more principle-based. Mm -hmm. And um, the results, we were just in, 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 the, in the middle of analyzing it. They're really interesting because um, in the beginning, the let's say kind of traditional group, they really um, performed better in the, in the test because we tested them pre, post, and we did uh, a retention test later on. And we tested them on the techniques they were taught and we um, tested them on surprise attacks and, and uh, and tr let's say transfer um, tasks. Um, we attack them with kind of um, knife attack they didn't encounter before, basically. Yeah. And looked how they performed, videographed it, and all the stuff. So um, the traditional group they were better in the beginning, uh, and the um, non-linear group they um, it, later on they um, performed as well. They even um, retained the tech. Um, they 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 could solve the problem a little bit better in the end and they were more creative with the kind of problem solving. But interestingly, um, the um, linear group, they also um, solved the problem in the end, and, but they um, had a little bit more the feeling that they were capable of um, solving the problem in the beginning because they had some kind of strict guidelines. Okay, so which, I mean, so you think it's there's got to be a mix of the two like you have to just yeah. drill them this is how you do it right or this is a good way of doing it but then also understand that you also need to teach people to be creative and be spontaneous that's the thing it's like it's not a neither or uh, either or it's like um it's, it's a kind of balance and you have to really figure out who needs what at what point uh in in, in, in training because um if, if somebody um hasn't had the self-esteem to, oh, I'm not sure if I, if, I can, if I can do this. Of course, some kind of guidance um, is really good. But um, what we saw is um, in the kind of um, creativity, um, there were a lot of different solutions to the same problem, which basically worked. And this was really, really, really interesting. And I guess, I mean, I don't know what the, the, the kind of... Um the kind of diverse makeup of the German police forces like, but I'm guessing that like most um, European countries, Germany wants to have a di an ethnically diverse and gender diverse like police force. So are there different, have you noticed different requirements? Are you able to cater for different learning needs of different types of, of police recruit or, or is it that you're training people who have been selected from the police force to be like in, in, the, in the riot squad or something like that? Is that, 
let's say this is the kind of problem where, um, what um, police use of force coaches, police use of force instructors face. Um, they have to individualize basically because um, if, they, if they get a bunch of recruits, you have all in there from one with fighting experience and um, the statue the, um, and little boys and girls which basically haven't had a fight before. And they all should be at some point capable to solve conflict. And that's the point where uh, you have to think about other solutions than fighting as well. So where you have to, or maybe there is the problem of restricting the solutions of conflict management to just uh, the physical part, because um, the people, the recruits, the young recruits, they should also learn to solve the conflict with their individual capacity. Like if I, if I'm, if I have 50 kilos and there's a 100 kilo mixed martial arts fighter trying to beat me, maybe there's a different kind of solution than starting to punch and fight with him. But if you're 100 kilos by yourself and the attacker is 80 kilos and you have been, let's say, three years in the ring so far, you have other options available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I guess there are the questions as well. There are time-honored questions <clears throat> about the effectiveness of martial arts that you are in a, quite a good position to comment upon. I mean, I'm not expecting you to resolve these issues for all time, but um, in your experience, um, are certain types of martial arts more easily um, employable um, in, in strategic or tactical situations? So for instance, like um, there, are, there are certain stereotypes about martial arts, right? Like, like if you go to some kind of like traditional karate, you might walk up and down in lines punching and saying kiai. But if you go to a Krav Maga class, they'll teach you about exits and entry points and, and space and, and strategic weapons. So is it the case that the kind of, the person who spent 10 years walking up and down in lines doing this is not in as good a position as someone who has spent five years in Krav Maga learning about situational awareness? Or, or is, that a, is that a massive simplification? maybe a little bit it it more boils down to the um, let's say um the kind of um how you've been trained in, in in the system but that's a question what constitutes a system um is karate training the karate training you just talked about where you walk down the line but of course you can do krav maga as well like that there's um a lot of um, krav maga videos online where they're just doing what an instructor said they should do so basically it's the kind of same thing it's like the cutter and they are um, let's say karate performers who engage in a lot of um problem solving activities like um kumite fighting and all this stuff and they spend really um, low amounts of time and just uh, drilling some 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 basic techniques. So it more comes down to the um, to the how of training. So what's your kind of pedagogical approach to training? Then the content itself. Of course, if you are talking about conflict management, um, at some point you have to talk about okay, what's in there. If you um, don't talk about situational awareness and if you don't train on it, of course, how should you? be situational aware of anything. If, if your regular training, um, if in your regular training you encounter a lot of different problems and you always have to be on the lookout for potential attackers, of course you're in a better position um, to, to be situational aware of a second attacker. Because this was basically a kind of experience I had in my um, personal 
martial arts history. I was trained like a, um, a professional competitor. I always had one opponent. And then I um, made some experience with an older instructor and he basically threw another attacker um, at me at some point. And I was really confused because, um, hey, I was fighting this guy. Why is another one coming from the side? <laughs> and saying like, yeah, that's, that's in real life. And I'm like, yeah, maybe you're right, of course. So that's at some point you get this kind of tunnel vision if you're just practicing yeah. one approach. So the basic argument would be, relating to your question, um, it's not about the system itself, it's about the, um, how you're teaching it. Okay, so you, would, so you encountered a different approach when you were a competitor and it was about one-on-one, -on -one, there's one opponent where in this environment, as opposed to as soon as it becomes a police kind of situation, like a police officer walking into a domestic situation or a pub or something like this that that you need to have a completely different mindset not zo not zooming in on your attacker on your opponent but like what else, what is going on around here yeah when i remember the talk um, at, at our first conference i think it was 2015 i think in cardiff Yep. Uh, Martin Meyer, um, uh, he um, held a talk there um, about uh, the doorman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doorman about their approach to conflict management. And there you see basically that, that um, each occupation, um, like police force, emergency services, um, doorman, has um, a different kind of context. And if they're working long enough in there, and they reflect on the experience they have and they mix it up with a little bit of martial arts. They know what they have to focus upon and what works and what doesn't. And uh, the thing we are doing is, okay, let's, let, let's figure out for which context, what are the, the main ingredients you, you have to have. Yeah, have I always thought Martin's paper was, it made me laugh because, so, he gets, so he's a karateka and he gets a job as a bouncer. And his instant reaction in any conflict situation is to kick. But as he said, there's too many tables and chairs and people around. <laughs> so he had to like go back to his training and go, well, I can kick, but like in this environment, it's a really bad idea for me to try and kick. It really made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, and that's basically the simplified approach to training. You have to figure out what are the, um, what, are, what is the context you have to be able to perform. In the end, what's your, what's your criterion environment if there are a lot of tables around and you can't kick? And you have to kind of sample this information to your training setting and to train on it, that you get the, the same feedback or, or similar feedback um, from things you're doing in there. And mm -hmm. then, then you can so, in there. So do you, um, I, I mean, I don't know about your, your, your current training and your current, say, martial arts teaching, but... Do you teach people pro competitive stuff, like, or do you, or, or are you still, are you focused now on the tactical and environmental as well as the physical? I guess I don't, I don't know. They're basically two hearts in my body, um, and they still are. So at some point, um, I had this kind of professional career in uh, combat sports, and of course, I became a coach in there as well. So um, I, I train a lot of guys um, from the national sport of Germany here as well, um, to fighting. And so this is the kind of um, competitive um, combat sports thing. And on the other hand, I have this kind of um, approach to conflict management where we're looking um, how to optimize and we of course train civilians, um, professionals, police forces, special forces and all this. Yeah. So how much training does, would a, um, 
a regular police officer in Germany get? I mean, how often do they, because there must be so many different scenarios, like you're on your own, you're with a partner, or it's a large situation. I mean, how much, how much time do people, do officers get to train? Not, not people on a special squad, but a, a police officer, how often do they refresh their training? Not very much, let's say a few times a year, if, if, if at all. Yeah. Or it could be, um, depend, it depends, um, in Germany we have um, uh, 16 federal states and um, each federal state um, has kind of different approach to training. But at some, in some states it's like a few hours per year, um, maybe um, one hour um, in six months, um, others have um, one day per year, around that. But it's not, I, I would argue, not more than 10 hours. Yeah, but I guess that's largely that's this situation rather than this is how you put someone in an arm lock. <laughs> I mean, it, it, depend, it depends. Um, I, um, we observed a lot of different um, kind of trainings, like um, now in the, in the, from our academic perspective, we're looking in different states, how, how they conduct the training in there. And it basically differs. Um, there are approaches where they um, get through throw the police officers in a lot of situations like they do scenario trainings mm -hmm. but of course there are also approaches where they um, do a lot of technical drilling and mm -hmm. there are no kind of measurements of how efficient the training is in there so yeah. of course we have to at some point evaluate um, it what would you like what would be your ideal what would you what would you recommend i mean what, what i just just how does it a bit guess based on your research and on a feeling like on, on your just sense of what you think would be the ideal for someone who was going to be working in dangerous situations what would be your ideal you have to contextualize the, the training i would argue so um it, it doesn't matter how um how much training you have um a significant amount of time you should be practicing representatively designed training tasks let's mean if you just have one day Please spend a lot of um, time in doing scenarios and all the stuff. But then again, it's like, I'm saying, let's do scenario. But if you're doing a scenario and the scenario is just five minutes and you're waiting three hours for the next run to uh, when, you're, when your turn is next, then of course it's a problem. It's like um, where we now um, see this thing, we have to practice with partners and our partners, we call them simulators, um, they have to really do a good simulation with you and uh, a lot of repetitive practice but with a lot of kind of different simulations because yeah. otherwise it, it, it isn't handleable. Okay and I'm glad you said simulation because I was thinking about asking that, I mean what's the, to what extent um, can uh, virtual reality or augmented reality be used in, in, in like real, like training for real possibilities? Because I guess the psychology of it and the emotions of it can be transferable. So you can, you could be in a simulated environment and still be dealing with like the, the adrenaline and the stress and the desire to succeed. How, how much use do you make of, 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 the, of the virtual? It's like now in the in the Corona phase, let's say it's kind of um, a similar approach we have because right now we're really doing online training and really doing um, conflict management training uh, online. So maybe you know I can attack you sitting here from the screen and you can react to it. Um, so you can react to the cues I'm giving, yeah. 
but at some point of course you don't have the feedback okay have i been hit um, did you get me how does it feel but um at least you can react at some point and that's the same problem we have in virtual reality at the moment um, i'm not sure where we at in 20 years um, but of course um, the feedback you get when you're performing a kind of technique it's kind of limited right at the point right now but um, it'll depend on the on the technical capabilities of the system yeah and how, how are you managing to, to train much uh, at the moment or is it solo training or are you, are the, are you allowed to interact with people or it just we, we um, do a lot of zoom training right now so we are really interacting with all the group um, and we have the instructor and he uh, tells the, the the students what to do and um, we really uh, also try to um, engage in some kind of fighting so like if i'm punching here you go to the side and it's um, it's it's really fun but of course it's i think it's the best we can do at the moment but of course it's not the it's not like the real thing but at least you have this kind of um, social community you have you can train with your with your peers and uh, that's kind of i think important thing right now okay so you've just you've just finished your your merely your third phd i mean you've just finished that what's next have you got an, have you got any more research projects lined up after your what is your third PhD on actually? What, what's the, what was the topic? The subject is basically sports coaching and it's about um, optimizing learning environments for police training. So um, it's basically all about the, the studies I talked about. Mm -hmm. but what's next? What's next? Really, 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 really good point. Um, of course, it will be something uh, related to, to um, conflict management. Yeah. But um, I think right now it's like um, a little bit more focusing on how can we educate the coaches, the trainers, that they know what's important. Um, we have to a little bit focus more about, let's say, coach development in mm -hmm. police, of course, because this is, an, of course, since already the, the, um, the kind of training is um, a really neglected area, coach development is an even more neglected area at the moment. Okay, and are you still really active with the uh, the DVS, the the, the German? Um, it's kind of German. What's the, the translation? The exact translation is like a German, the German Martial Arts Studies like Institute, the association. What's what does DVS stand for? Uh, DVS is basically the German Society of Sports Science, and uh, we are representing the committee of uh, Kampfkunst and Kampfsport, martial arts and combat sports. So it's a commission or committee of uh, martial arts and combat sports of the German Society of Sports yeah. Science. And so are you still involved in that? Yeah, I'm currently a speaker um, last year and this year. And um, yeah, it's really has been an, an awesome journey for, let's say, like nine years now. Yeah. Um, I I came to table two years later than everybody else. So um, Sixth, Martin, uh, Peter Kuhn, uh, they were already um, in there. And I joined, I think, in 2000, 2013. Mm -hmm. And then you started um, your kind of network. And then mm -hmm. it was just the right time to get involved in martial arts research. Yeah. And um, so you're, st you're still actively uh, involved in the committee and in presenting at, because you have annual conferences, don't you? There's a conference every, every year in Germany. It is. Um, right now it's like, um, 
it should take place, but we have to see how the situation evolves right now. Yes, it is. Uh, it's a difficult time. And um, so you you have published um, in English and in German. I mean, are, are, is your is your main publication now to be in English, or do you just do fifty fifty, or just publish whichever way seems relevant to the journal or the book? Yeah, that that's the problem when you when you when you start um, writing everything down for who you're writing it down. It's like, would you have have an impact for the German police force? There, you definitely have to um, write it in German. Yeah. Um, if you want to have an academic impact, of course, at some point it's good to write in English. So mm -hmm. it's like um, it's more like. <laughs> <laughs> where to focus upon right now but um, in Germany it's like we were, next year we're planning a kind of handbook for police training um, where we basically put everything in we already we know at this point in, in time and this would be a really good resource I think because um, there's really yeah not that much available academically focusing okay. on training in German okay Okay, so most, but there's the kind of language barrier you always have when you when you're talking about this thing. It's easier if you're living in the UK. Or well, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, how do so? Do you um, when you write for the police, what kind of mode of address do you use? I mean, do you write in a very scholarly way, or do you have to do you write in a different style for the police? I mean, who, who are the readers of it? Are they like senior people or are you writing for people on the ground, on the front lines or? That's basically the next problem, how to, the art of writing in there. Because I think um, a lot of things we wrote so far, um, it was too um, scholarly um, the, regarding the language we use. Because um, even if we, let's say the last, five to six years and there successively there have been more and more papers out there in German but um, the impact wasn't uh, like we expected it to be so right. um, that's the next thing we have to look okay why um, is the knowledge out there but it isn't been used so and and what are um, what can we do to enhance this kind of usage of the knowledge basically yeah, that's always the problem. That is this universal problem. It's like um, it's like people go, oh, I think I'll write about martial arts. And they don't even look to see what anyone else has ever written about. <laughs> it's like, I reckon, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it's like, it's like Six always says, like, what? why don't people just read what's out there? And they just don't, even academics don't do it. Even academics don't do a basic, a basic literature review. They don't like, well, what else is... Krav Maga and police training, you know, they'll just, they'll just make it up themselves. <laughs> That's why in the last year, these kind of hubs, the, the martial arts um, research network, um, the German committee, um, that's, these hubs, they are really, really important to, to get everybody together. Because I remember my first experience um, in, in Cardiff, my first experience in, in airline 2030, it was like, I was entering then and I was like, wow, all these people, they, they did a really good job in getting everything together. And I, I thought I knew everything, but now I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that I don't know anything. 
and and you get all these different kind of perspectives in the beginning you said i was um, always focused um, on the efficiency of training i was like really yeah you do something and you have to have an effect and then i came uh, to cardiff and i was like okay you can talk about martial arts in a completely different kind of perspective like uh, globalization all stuff i haven't thought of it in the beginning i was like yeah, just yeah, yeah. My, my little worldview and then you um, really get to know a lot of people and uh yeah. yeah there's a lot to read a lot to read no i know but i i really like the the chance to people ask me like what is martial arts studies and for me that it's like it doesn't it, it's it's that's the second question the first question is can we get everyone together and have a conversation like so you have like real pragmatic people like yourself with philosophers and psychologists and sociologists and but not like a fight but like can people can come together and, and people who've looked at film and people who've looked at mediums and it's just because we all kind of we're all really interested in whatever we think of as martial arts or combat sports and it's almost like a guaranteed happy conversation because we love it anyway even if one person cares about the history of of something that comes from China and other people are just concerned about how efficient it is, you're gonna, you're gonna have a stimulating conversation. So yeah, no, it's great. And next year we've got the, we're gonna share a conference, aren't we? With, we're gonna have the English language martial arts studies conference in Switzerland with the, with the, the German, the, the, the Kampfkunst, um, and what is it? Kamp, what's Kampfkunst? Kampfsport. <laughs> 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 it's basically the same but I, I still get it wrong um yeah so so we'll all meet again hopefully like next next this, summer hopefully yeah this will be awesome this conference i'm really looking forward yeah that will be great that will be great okay mario it's been an absolute um pleasure as always talking to you um i hope to uh see you again in the real world sometime soon but um Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much, Paul. Take